Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thanks so much for being here and joining me in today's episode. I'm super pumped to dive into today's episode, which is a brand new series here on the podcast called Things I've Learned. And we're going to abbreviate it moving forward to TIL, Things I've Learned. Uh, Really what I want to do is have an opportunity to just talk to you about a lot of the things that I'm consuming, right? So As part of the fitness industry, I produce a lot of content, but in producing a lot of content myself, I try to make sure that I'm also consuming as much quality content as I can from people I look up to in the fitness industry, some of the leading voices in the fitness industry, uh, some of the folks who communicate the scientific information that helps coaches like me be on the leading edge and the cutting edge and doing the things that we're learning are the most effective and efficient for people. Uh, So I'm constantly, in addition to creating content, listening to content via podcasts, watching YouTube videos, reading articles uh, about all of the stuff that I work with my clients on every single day. And, um, you know, over time, I've just thought like, it's great. I consume all this stuff. I use a lot of it in practice with my clients and and even with my own training and nutrition, but it would be cool to just kind of talk through and tell you some of the things I've learned lately. So that's what this series is going to be all about. Talking about things that I've learned and also, you know, as part of what I'll talk about in these episodes, uh, it's going to be new things I've learned, but also things that I've kind of like re-remembered, things that I've remembered or concepts that I've heard or seen brought up that I haven't thought about in a long time, uh, those are important too. I think part of what really is impactful with fitness and nutrition, and I think this goes beyond the fitness stuff that we normally talk about and just into everyday life uh, stuff when we're talking about building habits and uh, you know building anything and moving anything, any goal that you have, moving it in the right direction, uh, it's focusing on key principles, right? And I think oftentimes we human beings need to be reminded of a lot of the key fundamental principles, the things that work, the most important things to focus on. We need to be reminded of those things over and over and over again until they stick. Like for example, with a lot of the people that I work with, you know, we constantly have similar conversations, but like in different ways to help hammer home a lot of the things that work the most. So like if I have a client who wants to lose fat, we're in some way, shape or form talking about calorie deficits a lot, but we're talking about how to be in a calorie deficit across a wide array, a large spectrum of uh, different experiences and circumstances and issues that that person may be running into. So, um, it's, it's helpful to hear about these things a lot to make sure that they stick in your brain. And I even noticed that, you know, like I just said, some of these concepts I haven't thought about in a while, uh, when I hear other people bring them up, it helps it stick in my brain. It's how I learned a lot about this stuff uh, that I coach people on now. I kind of, you know, when I got started with fitness, there wasn't a lot of really quality information out there on the internet. Um, and as more and more quality information came out there, I just got addicted with learning about it. And so I love hearing about these things over and over and over again from different people with different perspectives. It helps me really ingrain this information in my brain, helps me learn how to manage things with my own training and nutrition, and then also helps me help my clients. So uh, we'll have episodes like this every once in a while, TIL, things I've learned when uh, you know I gather up a, a batch of uh, 
topics that I think would be beneficial for us to run through. So I have six topics for today's episode. We're going to run through each one of them. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if this is your first episode of the podcast and uh, you're new here, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. I publish video episodes of these uh, podcasts on my YouTube channel. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Uh, And then obviously I post the audio to every podcast platform. So wherever you're listening or watching this, uh, make sure that you follow along so you get every episode. Um, And there is going to be a link in the show notes to this episode to my mailing list. I've been saying this a lot lately. Uh, You know, it's great to follow me on social media. I really appreciate that, but when you follow anybody on social media, you're subject to the algorithm, and that means you're not going to see every single post that that person posts. It used to be that way, but that's not how social media works anymore, but the cool thing about my mailing list is that I email my mailing list once a week with the new content that I have produced, and it goes right to your inbox. And your inbox isn't subject to an algorithm. You just get the emails that you signed up for. So if you sign up for my mailing list, I'll email you once a week, let you know the new piece of the newest piece of content that I uh, have published. And that way you're able to, to get everything. And hopefully all that content is super helpful for you to manage your goals and whatever you want to do with health and fitness. So uh, again, that link is in the show notes. Um, and uh, you'll also get a bunch of free stuff if you sign up, which is cool. You get like a 21 day program for your training. Uh, you'll get a diet guide for your nutrition. You'll get a free cookbook. So uh, it's definitely worth it if you want to give that a look. But uh, yeah, let's dive into this first episode of things I've learned. I've got a bunch of stuff I want to share with you today. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, without further ado, let's dive in. All right. The first thing that I've learned is um, it's actually something I've learned through practice, through trial and error, and just uh, things I've learned about my own life as I've evolved as not only you know uh, a business owner, a coach, uh, somebody with multiple jobs, uh, and somebody with a family now. As a parent, I've really found that like as a person, my perspective on things has changed and I've evolved in the way that I approach things in my life. Um, and what I've been learning lately is just about priorities, man. And so this is going to fit more into the category of like lifestyle habits. And I'm sure you probably know that while hitting your workouts is important and tracking your nutrition can be important, making sure you get enough protein, like these little details, these things that we want to do from a fitness perspective, those all matter. But like your lifestyle routine is really the thing that promotes where you go with your health and fitness. So this fits into that that lifestyle bucket, if you will. Um, and I've just noticed some really dramatic shifts that have occurred for me uh, as, a, as a human being, as a parent, and as a coach and business owner since our third child arrived uh, a couple of months ago. So um, since our third baby got here, I've had a really dramatic shift in terms of how I view work. And I'll be completely honest with you, uh, I used to be a workaholic. And I think I still probably could be considered that. You know, I, I coach people uh, full-time. I also have another full-time job. So just by the nature of having two full-time jobs, I'm working a lot. But in building my coaching business, uh, it's been kind of like an obsession of mine because I, I mean, I love helping people. I really want to help people. I really want to be able to make a huge impact in the world and in the fitness industry with 
my coaching philosophy, the way that I interact with people and, and how I can help. Um, and that obsession, that passion has led to over the years, especially the last like two to three years as I've seen my coaching business really grow, it's led to a lot of working, like a lot of really early mornings, a lot of late nights. And um, just to give you a, you know, a little picture, a little window into what my day-to-day had looked like, and I'll say had because it's changed recently, um, but prior to baby number three getting here, um, what you're looking at in terms of my day-to-day is I would wake up in the five o'clock hour so that I could hammer out like an hour or two of work before the rest of my family woke up. And then we would do, you know, the the wake up, get up routine, get ready, get the kids off to school. Um, and then I dive into my other job and I do that job until about lunchtime. And then I work my coaching job or I go train and then I dive back into my other job until the end of the day with that. And then I go pick up the kids and we have a few hours together as a family to do Uh, you know, dinner time, bath time, story time, bedtime. And then after that was all done, after bedtime, after the kids were in bed and asleep, I would come back down into my office and then work another hour or two. So you're looking at like 5 a.m. to 8 p.m., maybe 8.30 p.m. on a consistent basis, like pretty much every single day. The weekends are a little bit different, but at least Monday through Friday, that's typically how it would work. And uh, I quickly found that like that's not going to be possible anymore (laughs) with three kids because we have three kids that are very young. They're all under the age of four uh, at the time of recording this podcast, but um, they all have like slightly different routines and certainly different needs. Our oldest is, uh, you know, able to handle a, a, a lot of things on her own now, and she's starting to learn how to do that and requires like less constant attention, whereas the newborn obviously requires constant attention. And our middle child is somewhere in between. And they all go through different, you know, phases of their young lives where we have sleep regressions, we have, um, you know, different uh, emotions that crop up, you know, based on the kids just growing and dealing with life and learning how to navigate this planet Earth that we live on. Um, and so what I've really found is, okay, Chris, you're you're done working 15-hour days. You really can't do that. And, and not only you can't do that, but I don't know that I want to do that, if I'm being completely honest with you, completely honest with you. And that is what I've learned is like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be working 15 hour days forever, especially when my kids are in this phase of being so young and like all of just the amazing thing, like they grow so quickly for any parents listening. I'm sure you know how this operates. They grow and develop so quickly that like, if you aren't paying attention, you're going to miss a lot of memorable stuff that you, you can never get back. Um, And like I even had this moment lately where we were at the doctor's office uh, just for a regular checkup with the kids and they were getting their flu shots. And uh, when we were at the appointment, you know, it was taking longer than I wanted it to, than anybody wants it to. It tends to always be how it goes when you go to the doctor. Um, And when we were in the, the... the room waiting for the doctor to, you know, come in and and see the kids, I felt myself getting like this urge, like, Hey, this is taking too long. Like I got to get back. I got to go work. Um, and I started, felt myself started to get a little bit frustrated. Um, but I was able, when I started feeling that frustration crop up, I was able to actually kind of stop and take a step back and think about why am I feeling this way? And 
I dove into my crazy workaholic brain a little bit um, and just remembered like the the email that I could respond to right now or the social media posts that I could edit right now or the program that I could make a little bit of progress in designing right now pales in comparison to the health of my kids. And like it's an interesting, like obviously when you pull back, you know that that's the case. But when you get tunnel visioned into a passion or an obsession, like I kind of described it earlier, um, it's it's sometimes hard to pull out and realize that. And now I'm learning, I'm getting much better at being able to pull out and, and zoom out and analyze situations more effectively. I'm not perfect at it, I'm still working at it, but it's definitely something I've learned uh, as our third baby is here now, and we have three kids. It's just like, I don't want to be working 15 hour days. I want healthier lifestyle habits. I want more balance and I want to maximize every single opportunity I have to watch my kids grow uh, and develop. And so my, my, the way I dedicate my time has dramatically shifted recently. Um, there are no more early mornings. There are no more late nights. I'm getting up with my family. Part of that is a necessity because sleep is at a premium right now in my household. And uh, I just need to get as much as I possibly can because it's hard to get sleep. Um, and so, yeah, no more working in the mornings. No more working after the kids go to bed. Uh, the work is really condensed into when the kids go to school and then when the kids come home from school. And uh, outside of that, I'm trying to stay away from the computer uh, as much as possible. And it's honestly been a little bit refreshing. Uh, you know, what that has meant is I'm producing less content than I used to. I'm writing fewer articles. I'm posting less on social media, but I'm not doing none of that. I'm still doing a good amount of it, much probably much more than a lot of the majority of coaches do. Uh, so I feel good about that. And, uh, you know, I've just been able to nail in on like some of those items that are much more important, not only from a, a, a lifestyle perspective and a family perspective, but also a work perspective. And we're going to focus on those big key cogs. And primarily with my coaching business, it's focusing on my clients first and foremost, developing content after that as time allows. Um, so it's been a big shift. And, and I guess I share that because, um, well, I started by saying like, you know, your, your time, your time with your family is paramount, right? And, uh, that affects how you're able to kind of chase all these other things that you want to do with your health and your fitness. So, um, it's, it's, it's been a dramatic shift. Uh, it's something that's pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit because I spent so much time just churning, churning, churning out content, building, building, building the business, and having to now like be okay with like, hey, the, the business is in a good place. You've put in the work for years. You're you're allowed to take a little bit of time off, not like stop. Uh, so I guess time off is not the right way to describe it, but you're allowed to pump the brakes a little bit. And because you put in all that hard work, you're allowed to refocus your sights a little bit. And that could apply to you with anything that you're doing with your uh, health and fitness, right? So if if your health and your fitness really needs uh, a bit more attention nowadays, you could maybe look at some of the other areas of your life that 
are in a really good place and say, okay, well, I can pull a little bit from this and dedicate it to that so that I can still keep everything moving in the right direction, but just focus a bit more of my time and effort on whether it be your workouts or managing your nutrition, um, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it's, it's hard to do. It's something that I've got, like I said, out of my comfort zone to do, but I'm feeling really good about it. And I'm going to continue this transition for, for sure. Cause it's only been nine or 10 weeks, but, uh, I'm, I'm learning how beneficial this is to be able to reprioritize and at the same time, continue moving everything in the right direction, just like at different speeds. So, uh, that's, that's the first thing I've really learned over the past week or so. Now, item number two on this list, it's a perfect transition because I still want to talk about family, but we're going to go maybe more specifically towards nutrition with this one. Um, one of the things I've learned lately is that I'm absolutely loving to cook for my family. And I can't tell you that that is ever something I could have predicted or would have expected. Honestly, I was never a morning person to begin with for, for the entirety of my life. And then when we started having kids and I was building the business, it kind of necessitated me getting up early in the morning. And then I found a lot of joy in you know, being up early and making something of the day really before anybody else gets up. I, I feel good about that. Um, and now, since I'm not doing all that work in the early morning hours, part of what I'm able to do with some of that time that I'm getting back is use it to just cook for my wife and kids. I cook breakfast. I've been doing these breakfast scrambles. If you're not following me on Instagram, I've been sharing them on my story. So make sure you, you follow me at Chris Gates Fitness on Instagram. Um, but I actually always kind of used to be selfish about food. Like I, I've I've never been somebody that can easily share food. Um but now I'm like starting to enjoy it because I'm starting to enjoy the process of cooking food for my family. Doing something good for somebody else to start the day feels really, really good. Um, being in charge of that task, it, it feels good to be able to take that off of my wife's plate and just be something that I handle now. Um, and it also gives me the opportunity to prepare nutritious foods for everybody to start the day, which is another thing that I think really uh, is a great thing to do at the start of the day. Now with kids, it doesn't always work out. They don't always want to eat the nutritious food. Sometimes we're eating uh, sugary cereal because they're kids and they should be allowed to have that type of stuff. But like, uh, it's been something that's been really fulfilling and I've really enjoyed it. And I never thought that that would be me. Uh, but breakfast scrambles have, uh, have opened the door and it's been a lot of fun. Done them with like chorizo. Uh, I've been really liking putting um, just like diced bell peppers in eggs along with cheese and then some type of protein source. I mentioned chorizo. I've also just been getting like turkey deli meat and, and cutting it up into pieces and putting that in the breakfast scramble. And actually this morning, the day of recording this, we had some leftover, it's called crack chicken. It's basically like uh, kind of like a cheesy chicken with uh, ranch seasoning on it. And uh, we had a little bit of that leftover. We needed to eat it before it went bad. So I tossed that into the scramble this morning and it tasted really good. Uh, I, I kind of think like, Eggs are almost like the rice of breakfast, if that makes any sense, uh, because I feel like if you scramble up eggs, there's a lot of stuff you can put in eggs that tastes really good, kind of like rice. Like You can put almost anything mixed into rice and find a way to make it taste really good. Um, so yeah, I've been in, enjoying that. And, uh, like I said, doing something for somebody else feels good. Doing it to start the day feels good. Taking tasks off of the people that are in your life feels good. 
Um, and so like for you, maybe something to think about, right? Are there different things you can do throughout the day? Little things like cook. I mean, this takes me 15 minutes, if that, in the morning. Are there little things you can do that give you that level of fulfillment? Are there things you can do at the start of the day to make you feel like you're working in the right direction and, and, and doing things that are supporting your your health and wellness and that of your family too? Um, it's one thing, I think, to do things for yourself that are productive and, and you want to do that. You want to work towards good health for you. That's another for you. It's another thing for you to do that for you and the people that you love. So um, that's one I've been really enjoying. And uh, I think it's going to, I think it's a habit that's going to stick here for the long term. So that's the second thing that I've learned. Okay. The third thing I have learned is that the best coaches out there in the fitness industry typically are not elite athletes. Okay. They're not even the people that you see with the best or most impressive physiques. They're, Actually, often the best coaches are the people that have had to struggle the most to get through their journey and navigate to things that are effective for them, okay? Because really, it's easy for people who have great genetics, who are athletically gifted, who you know played a sport into college or maybe even at the professional level, it's easy for them to, you know for them to have had experienced their success because there is I'm not and I don't want that to sound like they're not doing anything hard and they haven't put in hard work those people that have reached that level absolutely have but they also have something going for them you know what i mean like they also probably have a genetic predisposition to being very athletic or to having a great physique. And they've also, throughout the course of their journey, as they've continued to progress uh, and get to a higher level and get to that college level, pro level, or if it's like, you know, people you see on Instagram or TikTok who have unbelievable physiques, um, like they've gotten a lot of help along the way, professional help uh, to, to get to where they are. Um, they haven't maybe had to suffer as much as a person who doesn't have all of that natural ability. And again, I don't want to, um, this is not meant to demean people, uh, who are in those positions. And there certainly are people in those positions that have had to work really hard. But I think like in general, when you go into a gym and you're looking to work with a personal trainer, if you're going online, looking for a coach, the people who have had to really work at it are probably going to be the coaches that really help you see the best possible results for you. Um, and, you know, just to share my own experiences here, I do not believe that I am built to be very strong. I don't believe I'm built to be very muscular. Um, I've really had to work at it. And I feel like, you know, there's still a lot of that progress that's left there for me. Um, but like, there's nothing in my background that would suggest like athlete. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up playing trumpet. I grew up in the arts. I was in marching band. I was not like I was a good runner. And there's some people in my family tree that were endurance athletes. Like my parents were runners and they were pretty good at it. Uh, but from this like strength training perspective um, and like evolving your body, building muscle, burning fat, like there's not a lot in my family tree that suggests that's something Chris should be good at. So I've had to really, really work at it and really get creative and really learn a lot of the specifics about how to progress myself forward. And I'm pretty happy with what I've achieved, you know, in terms of strength, like I've gotten right around those ballpark uh, lifts for the big three around like 400 pound deadlift, 315 squat, uh, not quite 275 bench, 255 bench. But um, like, I feel like I'm pretty proud of the the level of strength that, that I've got to. I, I'm 
pretty proud with the, the amount of muscle that I built. If you look back to like where I started, I was an unbelievably skinny kid. Um, there's certainly more progress I want to make, but I'm pretty happy with that as well. Um, but it's taken a lot. Like I've been lifting consistently for about 15 years. I have more or less not missed a week of workouts or, or, or not gone off my program for nine years now. Um, so it's, it's taken a lot. It's taken a lot and it's helped me understand how to get results for me, obviously, but then that's helped me understand how to get results for my clients. And I think I know a lot of coaches like this where it's like, they are not going to be the person that you go on their Instagram page and you are blown away by their physique. But if you sign up to work with them, they know their shit. They know how to read and react to almost almost every single scenario that you could run into um, and they can exhaust every option to help you make as much progress as possible. And I feel like I'm kind of in that category too. Um, so, you know, like I mentioned strength training and, and building muscle and even like the fat loss thing, like I've done that many times. I've done it really, really poorly and I've done it really, really well. And the really, really poor examples of it have helped me incrementally, incrementally work towards the, the really, really good examples of it, um, which has helped me then once again, help lead my clients in the right direction. So I really do believe that it's like the best coaches are not the ones that are going to wow you, uh, in terms of like what you see visually, where they're going to wow you is in the results that you can get because of their knowledge and because they've been able to really uh, apply, uh, all of this stuff, all these fundamental principles in different ways for different people to get them to the results that they're looking for. All right. Here's the fourth thing that I have learned recently, and it's that you can almost always continue training around an injury and, and we'll be very clear about what I mean about that because, uh, most injuries are not debilitating, right? Most injuries fall under that nagging aches and pains type of category. Um, and that's primarily what I mean. But honestly, I, I mean even like maybe even bigger injuries. You And I'll talk through some of the examples here, but like most of the time, if something gets injured, there's still something you can do. And that's the general takeaway I want you to to understand here. Um, so I'm dealing with this and I have some clients dealing with this right now too, which is why it's top of mind and which is why it's something that I've learned recently. Primarily when you get injured, you have a muscle group or an area of your body that's that's injured and needs rest so that it can heal. Primarily that means then you need to train around that injury by working other muscle groups and trying to stay active while promoting recovery for the injury. So um, like I've, for the last couple of weeks, been dealing with this really strange uh, injury in, it's like the top of my tricep and then almost into like the top of my lat and the back of my shoulder. Um, and honestly, I don't know how the injury happened, but it's been bothering me for a while and it's been impacting my ability to do, uh, obviously tricep training, uh, and also some back exercises, lat pull downs have not felt very good. Seated rows have not felt very good. Um, I've had to auto-regulate some exercises, and what that means is like continue to do the exercise that was in my program, but either change the rep scheme or lighten the load, and, and I've lightened the load on a, a lot of exercises. Um, so I've been doing like tricep pushdowns at much lighter weight just to get some blood flow into that area. Uh, same with the seated row. <clears throat> I actually had to bail out on a seated row. I did one set, and it didn't feel great. 
And then when I started the second set after rep two, I was like, no, this is, that's it for today. We're not doing this exercise anymore. Um, and lap pull downs. I've had to shorten the range of motion so that I can continue to do it, but avoid the point of the reps where I start to feel pain in that area. Uh, another example, I've had um, a, one client deal with a shoulder injury over the past year uh, where you know we really had to be careful about what we were doing with his pressing specifically. Um, so, you know, we learned that incline pressing was kind of out of the question um, and any other pressing, whether it be a flat bench press or a, say a dumbbell shoulder press, um, we had to lighten the load, really change the rep scheme, go low weight, high reps and stay far away from failure. Again, to try to like get some blood flow in there, but not aggravate that injury at all. And so we also reduced the amount of training volume that we did for the, the shoulder area. Uh, tried to honestly avoid that as much as we could. And in that period of time, we actually focused on lower body. We said, okay, you know what? You're, you're limited in what you can do with your upper body because of your shoulder. So we're going to do a little bit, right? We're going to promote some blood flow or do a little bit for your upper body. We're going to do a lot for your lower body. And this is a great opportunity for us to shift our focus and uh, just try to, you know, build up the quads, build up the hamstrings, the glutes, the calves. Uh, a lot of times, you know, an injury can give you the opportunity to specialize in something that you wouldn't have other specialized, otherwise specialized on. And so yeah, that's what we did with that client. I also had a client suffer a knee injury recently. Um, so we kind of did the the flip flop of what I just described, where with the knee injury, uh, we really had to avoid lower body training altogether. So instead of doing any strength training with the knee injury. Uh, he went ahead and focused on steps and, uh, we tried trying to get steps in every day. Um, the air bike also feels good on his knee, get some blood flow to that knee, but he's able to, you know, pedal and use his arms to, to move the bike. Uh, so it really allows him to auto regulate the amount of pressure he puts on his knee that has worked out really well. And then that's basically it for lower body. We've shifted all the focus then over to upper body and we're kind of hammering away at upper body volume now. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to try and build some of those muscle groups while the lower body heals. And I explain those, all those scenarios to you to let you understand if you have an agony ache and pain, number one, it's important for you to Make sure that you're doing what you need to do to get that healed, okay? Uh, I don't want you to think that like, oh, well, no matter what the injury is, Chris says I should train. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can find creative ways to continue training, but like let's not let's not get confused. Priority number one is doing training in a way that still allows that injury to heal. Um, so, you know, wherever that nagging ache or pain may be, if you can avoid movements or exercises that actually cause more pain in that area and do exercises and movements that have no pain, do those ones that have no pain to allow you to still be active. And you can probably with whatever doesn't cause any pain, make that the priority and really try to push it with those while you let your injury heal. It's something that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just shut things down. Oh, I'm injured. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to stop until I get better. And then a couple of months down the road, uh, you're starting from scratch again because you just gave up on it. And yeah, I get that you want to heal, but there are ways you can heal while still staying active uh, to try and maintain as much of the progress as you've made uh, until you can get back to 100% across the board. The fifth thing I have learned is I cannot do barbell exercises right now. 
Now, why have I learned that? Um, let's talk about barbell exercises to begin with and just the nature of what you're getting into when you do barbell exercises. Barbell exercises, so we're talking about like squat, bench press, deadlift primarily, but even things like, you know, bent over rows, um, anything that you could do with a barbell, it's probably going to be on the side of some of the most fatiguing exercises you can do because most of the exercises you do with a barbell are training a wide array of muscle groups at one time. You think about a squat, you're training your legs, but that bar is sitting on top of your back, right? So really your entire posterior chain is involved in you supporting the barbell on your body. Uh, so that's a lot. And then add that to the lower body fatigue that you're going to have in your glutes and your quads and your hamstrings. Um, it really takes a toll on your body. Same with the deadlift. I mean, the deadlift is a posterior chain exercise. So everything from the traps in the back of your neck down to uh, your, your hamstrings is going to be trained. Uh, and normally deadlifts allow you to lift the most weight of any exercise. So that means just systemically, you're going to be building up a lot of fatigue by handling heavy weight. So that's important context to understand. There are some exercises that are more fatiguing than others. And barbell exercises tend to, generally speaking, be some of the most fatiguing. Um, now, the reason I've learned that I can't do barbell exercises right now is because of some of the complicating factors I have in my life as it relates to training. Um, and I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you know, sleep is just a challenge right now in our household. And with that being the case, you think about what sleep provides to to you, to me, to us when we're training the vast majority of your recovery, your, your muscular recovery, uh, you know, not only rebuilding muscle tissue, but then building muscle and building strength. It happens when you're sleeping. That's when a lot of the recovery takes place because you get into your different sleep cycles where your body's able to repair itself. Um, I'm not getting quality sleep right now. Uh, it's it's hard to get long stretches of sleep, which means it's hard for me and my body to be in those deep sleep cycles where the body is can really get to a restorative place. Um, so I'm learning that right now for me, a guy that is pretty used to squatting, benching, and deadlifting, I'm learning that that's not part of the equation for me right now. And it's it's been hard to learn that. It's been painful because I've just noticed with less sleep and trying to continue to like specifically barbell squat heavy weight, um, I'm waking up the next day and the day after and the day after trash. Like my back, I did it for a couple of weeks and my back just never felt recovered uh, because of supporting all that weight on, on, you know, on the top of my shoulders. Um, so uh, over trial and error and over time, I've learned like, hey, right now, I just can't do that. I need to, in my program, go for exercises that really give me the highest return on investment as I can possibly get. And by, by that, I mean like the exercises that fit the description of my goals, which my goal is I'm in a lean bulk. I want to build muscle. So I need exercises that are going to help me build muscle as efficiently as possible, but at the same time, 
build up as little fatigue as possible. So I'm doing a lot of what would probably be called isolation exercises right now, where like you're specifically targeting one muscle group with the way you lift. Uh, So instead of big compound exercises like barbell squats, I'm doing a lot of leg extensions, okay? Instead of deadlifts that are gonna really build mass on my back, I'm doing seated rows and and lat pull downs like I had mentioned before. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of those exercises where I I'm still getting, you know, a, a great stimulus. I'm still getting uh, I'm still really feeling the exercise in the target muscle group. Um, I'm 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 noticing that my body's able to handle that better. I'm able to build up volume more easily. I'm able to recover uh, more efficiently on the kind of iffy sleep that we're dealing with right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a been a big adjustment, but it's something that, uh, you know, through trial and error I've, I've learned. And, uh, I think I'm kind of navigating now to the right path where I'm able to be on a program that works best for me for right now. And there will be a time when I get back to those barbell exercises. There's no, uh, doubt about that, but right now it's really not part of the equation. So, uh, you know, that's an important thing that I've learned. And I think for, for you, uh, that first part that we walk through in terms of just like talking about how there are exercises that are more or less fatiguing than others, that's really important information for you to understand, uh, because you're inevitably going to go through periods of life where, you have some complicating factors too. Maybe it gets, things get really stressful at work. Maybe uh, you know you have poor sleep, or um, you know you get sick, or you're dealing—I don't know—with any number of factors that can impact your ability to train hard regularly and recover from that training. Uh, you can make adjustments to always continue training, but do it in a way that's going to support that phase of life that you're in. And these are some tweaks and some changes that. I've made that I think are going to help me over the next few months just navigate this situation until uh, hopefully the sleep situation here at home uh, improves. Okay, and the sixth and final thing that I have learned this past week or so, uh, this is one where it's not really something that I've learned as much as I have just been refreshed on. I've refreshed my memory on this one, Um, and it's about building muscle. So we can really simplify how to efficiently build each muscle or efficiently train each muscle by just looking at what the muscle does, okay? So if you want to build any individual muscle, you essentially need to focus on bringing point A to point B. Now, what do I mean by that? Every single muscle in your body has a point in the body where it originates and then an insertion point on the other end. So if you think about like a bicep, your bicep, it originates up in your shoulder and it inserts down into your elbow. So if you want to train your bicep, you need to find different ways to really bring your elbow closer to your shoulder, right? So if you're curling up, you're bringing your elbow closer to your shoulder. You're shortening that muscle, that bicep muscle by bringing those two points closer together and that by bending the elbow, right? Um, Kind of the same with like Let's say you want to build your quads. Your quads originate in your hip and they insert down into your knee. So if you want to build your quads, you need to think about ways to shorten the muscle and bring those two points closer together. And that's why, you know, a lot of people do leg extensions where you're kicking your leg up, which is initiated by flexing your quad. And the harder you flex your quad, the more you're going to be essentially shortening the muscle and bringing those two points together. Every single muscle in the body has that 
specific makeup. So you really just need to look at how the muscle is essentially set up in your body and it'll make it very, very easy for you to figure out then how to train it the most efficiently. Um, in order to build muscle, you just got to bring those two ends closer together. And, uh, and if you can do that and progressively overload by doing it, you're going to build muscle. You're going to see progress. Another one, like let's think about chest press your chest. Uh, you know, a lot of those muscle fibers originate in your shoulder and then they insert kind of in the clavicle in the middle of your chest. So if you think about what do you need to do, you kind of need to bring that shoulder joint closer to the middle of your chest. And when you do that, you'll feel your pec squeeze. I mean, you'll see your pec get bigger. You'll feel your pec squeeze and it'll be shorter because you're closing those two points together. It's really like not rocket science. It's actually very simple. And you can go onto Google and just type in, you know, that you're looking for, uh, you know, muscle charts. Like you want to see like a chart of the biceps to see what that muscle looks like. And once you see what that muscle looks like, it's gonna be pretty easy to figure out how to train it. So, you know, that's something I've rem I've remembered, that I've realized, that I've learned. It's a concept I've been refreshed on because I think a lot of the times, like there's so many different programming techniques you can use. There are creative ways you can set up a strength training program. But at the end of the day, this stuff is basic. And I come back to a phrase I've heard people say before, and I kind of really agree with this and that like, if you're training consistently for a long period of time and making a lot of progress, you are probably doing the same give or take 15 to 20 exercises over and over and over again. And you may be doing different variations of those exercises for sure. But like, if you want to build your quads, you're probably doing a squat and you're probably going to be squatting a lot for like three years, five years, 10 years, you're going to, but you could do different types of squats. You could do a barbell back squat. You could do a front squat. You could do a goblet squat. Like there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You're going to be squatting. If you want to build bigger arms, build bigger biceps, you're going to be curling weight. Like there's no other way to do it. You got to curl weight. Now you could be doing standing bicep curls. You could be doing barbell curls. You could do spider curls. You could do incline dumbbell bicep curls. Like there's a ton of different ways to do the curl, but at the end of the day, You'll be doing a lot of curls. It's not rocket science. It's very, very basic on how to figure out how to make progress. You just got to do those basic things and bring point A to point B together consistently for a really long period of time. And while you're bringing those two points together, you want to see your training performance go up. So that's it. Those are the six things that have uh, been on my mind over the past week or so. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really do. Um, I'm going to continue putting some of these out and would love to get your feedback. If you like this episode and you can leave a rating and review, drop a comment in there and let me know what you thought of this episode. I would really appreciate that. Uh, just to know, you know, thoughts and feedback. It's tough with podcasts. You don't get a lot of one-to-one -one interaction because it's just not how like podcasts are set up. You listen to me and then I never really know what you're thinking about it. So if you could drop a comment, I would love that wherever you're listening. Uh, I like to check those periodically to see what people think. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun putting it together. And like I said, I'm constantly consuming content about this stuff. So I'm just going to keep making a list of things that I'm learning uh, each week and uh, occasionally put a, a new TIL podcast episode together. So Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I hope this one helped. Looking forward to doing another episode just like this in the future. Uh, but until then, have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.